This podcast is part of the Batman Universe Podcast Network, hosted by the BatmanUniverse.net. Check out everything related to Batman and the entire Bat family at the BatmanUniverse.net, including news and original content related to comics, movies, television, merchandise, video games, and more. Also, check out some of the other unique podcasts that TBU has to offer. Consider supporting this podcast by becoming a patron on Patreon. Even $1 can go a long way in supporting this content that you enjoy. Look for a link over at thebatmanuniverse.net to offer your support now. And now, on with the show. Got to get to going. You don't know what is bugging Jimmy Gordon now. Yeah, you've got to hit the pole. You're gonna have another sleepless night again. Yeah, you really got to go. It could be Bane or be the evil clown again. Batman, you really got to go. You gotta go to fight crime tonight. Bat books for beginners. Bat books for beginners. Bat books for beginners. Hello, and welcome to this edition of TBU's Bat Books for Beginners, episode 205. My name is Jerry. And I'm Chris. And we are your hosts. On Bat Books for Beginners, we will examine story arcs with Batman and related characters. We'll give you the historical background of the book, break down the plot and the art, and give you our opinions so you can decide for yourself if they're worth a read. Today's Bat Book Chris and I are covering is Batwoman Elegy. So, Chris, tell us about this book. (laughs) Thank you very much, Jerry. Jerry, before I continue, though, The Kinks, you really got me. My gosh. Uh, Oh, yeah. Yeah, I love The Kinks. Uh, I do, too. Great, great rendition, my friend. Thank you. Thank you so much. Okay. Well, hello, Bat fans. Hey, thank you for spending some of your day with us today. Yet again, we won't be covering Batman number 188, perhaps one day, (laughs) but for now, we turn our attention to Batwoman Elegy. Batwoman Elegies is a 192-page softcover trade paperback that was published by DC Comics in June 2011 and had a cover price of $17.99 U.S. Current printings of this trade can be had for around $26 from online vendors at the time of this recording. This trade paperback collects Detective Comic issues numbers 854 through 860 and had an introduction by MSNBC's Rachel Maddow. Those issue of Detective Comics were originally cover dated August 2009 through February 2010 and each had a cover price of $3.99. It should be noted that in our podcast that we are covering issue numbers 854 through 857 specifically, just the story titled Elegy. The trade also collects a Batwoman story arc titled Go, and those individual issues also had a Renee Montoya question backup that was titled Pipeline, and presumably that isn't collected in the trade. It should be noted also that this trade has gone through more than one printing, and that DC did release a hardcover version of this in 2010, and it was cover priced at $24.99. Further, in 2017, DC released a trade paperback simply titled Batwoman, and this 256-page softcover trade paperback collected the initial Detective Comics Batwoman run in its entirety, and that only had a cover price of $24.99, and it can be found from online vendors for slightly less. Hmm. If you are interested in obtaining a hard 
copy version of the story. I do urge strict caution though if you're looking to obtain a version of the material that we are covering as there are several trades out there and none of them should be confused with any of the later Rebirth story arcs that also contain the words Batwoman in the title. Comixology appears to be the most inexpensive way to go with the LG trade as it's priced at $12.99 at the time of this recording. The Prices for the original back issues, though, appear to be very, very all over the place with a wide range in costs. If you are very savvy, you may find them for around the cover price, but from the majority of online vendors that I saw, they all had them significantly higher than the cover price. For our creative team, as per usual, I'll go off some online resources and my memory. Our writer is Greg Rucka. Rucka was born November 29, 1969, making him 49 years old. He first discovered comics at the Knob Hill Market in Salinas, California, where, at age 5, he first saw a digest size black and white with reprints of Stan Lee and Jack Kirby's work on The Incredible Hulk, and he convinced his mother to buy it for him. He began writing at a very young age, and at age 10 he won a countywide short story contest. He graduated from Vassar College with an A.B. in English. He then enrolled in the University of Southern California's Master of Professional Writing program, graduating with a Master of Fine Arts. Rucka's writing career began with the Atticus Kodiak series, which I have to confess I'm not familiar with. In 1998, Roka wrote his first comic book work called Whiteout for Oni Press. I would say, though, he's one of the more prolific writers in the early 2000s, and I first encountered his work on Batman and later on Wonder Woman, and I think he's something considered of a fan favorite. He's also worked on Wolverine, Gotham Central, Action Comics, and The Punisher, among others. Rucka's won three Eisner Awards. Now, the outstanding art in this book was provided by J.H. Williams III. He was born in 1965. I first encountered his work in the late 1990s in DC's Shade series, and that was a spinoff of the Starman title. And he also did a title called Chase, which was about a paranormal investigator. The character debuted in Batman number 550. But I really started to notice his work when he worked on a title called Promethea, and that was from the America's Best Comics line. It was written by Alan Moore in the late 1990s and the early 2000s. He's won Eisner Awards for Promethea, and also for the series we're about to cover. Now, to cover the history of the Batwoman character, her initial appearances from the Silver Age, various Earths, what have you, that could take up the focus <laughs> of an entire podcast. Suffice to say, this is the current incarnation of the character, and she first appeared in the title 52, number 7, cover dated August 2006, as Kate Kane and as Batwoman in issue number 11 of the same series, which was cover dated September 2006. The character received a lot of attention from her introduction, with her striking red and black costume design to mm-hmm. her sexual orientation. A live version of the character was played by Ruby Rose and appeared in the Elseworlds crossover of DC CW TV superhero TV shows, and I think there's even a TV show in the works with that character in development. Also of note, her forefront appearance in Detective Comics here would break the string of over 800 consecutive issues of Batman being the lead character in this title. Over on Amazon.com, this has a rating of 4.4 stars out of 5, based on 87 reviews. And over on Goodreads, yes, over on Goodreads.com, this has a rating of 4.16 stars out of 5, based on 12,241 ratings and 633 reviews. But will Jerry and I rate it that high? Ah, that remains to be seen. (laughs) But I'm sure you're like me, and you can't wait to hear the story recap. So hold on, stay tuned, and with that, I shall turn it back over to you, Jerry. That's great, Chris. Thanks. Uh, So now we're going to talk about this story after a few messages from some of our friends. Greetings, Gothamites. Lane here, asking, 
Does the world really need another Batman podcast? Well, of course it does. He's Batman. However, rather than tackle Batman in comic books, movies, or television, my podcast, Batman Books, The Dark Knight and Prose, will follow the caped crusader via the written word, where the only pictures are those formed in the imagination. Each season, I choose a different book to delve into, and each episode dives deep into a few chapters at a time. So join me as I explore the streets of Gotham between the covers of novels and novelizations in Batman books, The Dark Knight and Prose. Welcome back. Here is the story of Batwoman Elegy. The crime religion has a new leader, and Kate Kane, Batwoman, wants to know who it is. She goes on a mini rampage to find the name of the new crime boss. Turns out all this late-night crime fighting isn't good for your personal life. Who knew? Kate's current girlfriend breaks up with her and accuses her of being self-indulgent. <gasps> I know. <laughs> <laughs> She had recently been stabbed in the heart, but is working back to full health, though her father, the colonel, wants her to slow down. Batwoman tears through Gotham to find the new leader of the religion and finally comes face to face with her. She's a lady in kind of a white Victorian garb who calls herself Alice. She isn't associated with the Mad Hatter. She's just Alice, but does do the whole through the looking glass shtick. Batwoman hits Alice with some pepper gas and takes her for an interrogation. She wants to know why the cult wants her dead. Alice pleads ignorance and slashes at Batwoman's face with a razor hidden in her mouth. The blade is drugged and Batwoman is barely able to escape with her life. The cult leaders all come to Alice and ask her forgiveness for allowing Batwoman to get so close to her. Alice doesn't forgive them at all, but good. <laughs> Kate's father finds her due to a tracking device in her suit, and he goes to save her. But Alice and her minions arrive. The colonel shoots some of the minions, but they're interrupted by three half-man, half-animal creatures. These creatures fight Alice and her men and carry Batwoman off with her father to safety. Turns out, these creatures are part of that religion, but are what they call true believers and are against Alice's leadership of the religion of crime. One of them, a man named Abbott, is known to Kate. Back at home, the colonel wants Kate to take some time off, but she refuses and sprays liquid armor over a batsuit for extra protection. Kate decides to go to a fancy dress party and wears a tux. She dances with another tux-clad lady, Maggie Sawyer, captain of the major crimes unit. Abbott is also at the party and dances with Kate as well. He explains that since Batwoman didn't die, the prophecy that dealt with her death is wrong. He has the problems with the main church's interpretations of their sacred crime Bible. Kate realizes that Alice wants to destroy Gotham. She calls her father, but he has been taken by Alice and the church. Alice answers the colonel's phone and lets Kate know that she has her father. The colonel is able to shout out some instructions, so Kate realizes that they are going to use some stockpiled chem and bioweapons to destroy the city. Alice used the colonel's ID and some of her men that are in the service to infiltrate an army base. They put the bioweapons on a plane and fly it into the Gotham sky. Alice, her men, and the colonel are aboard the plane. The colonel recognizes Alice as his other daughter, Beth. 
Abbott and his true believers have their own plane, and Batwoman was in it and jumps from one to the other. Aboard Alice's plane, she beats up her guards and frees her father, who takes over as pilot while Kate fights her sister. The two rumble, and Alice goes to fall out of the plane. Batwoman grabs her to save her. Alice stabs Kate's arm, forcing her to release her. She decides to fall from the plane rather than let Batwoman save her. Ooh, the end. So Chris and I are going to talk about our feelings for the story after these words from some of our friends. Hey folks, this is Jared Albrecht, a.k.a. The Yard Sale Artist and semi-regular co-host of the Longbox Crusade podcast with Pat Sampson. Pat came to me recently with a fantastic idea on how we might get the podcast community involved in taking some action to do some good. He called this idea Comics for Courage. Comics for Courage is a concept that came to Pat after I told him the fantastic true story of when I was stationed in Iraq during my military service. While there, I received a huge care package of comic books from the awesome folks over at Wizard and Toy Fair magazines. We had so many comics, we didn't know what to do with them all. Seriously, it was over 100 pounds of comics. So me and a couple of buddies took the bounty of comics we had down to the give-and-take library we'd set up in our headquarters building. And you know what? Within 24 hours, all the comics were gone. The bottom line here is that throughout history, World War II, Korea, Vietnam, Iraq, one thing remains a constant. Soldiers love comics. It's quick, easy, fun reading that gives a soldier a taste of home and lets them escape into an amazing world of comics, even if it's just for a few minutes. So here's the best part of Comics for Courage. Pat and I aren't asking you to donate one cent of your money to Comics for Courage. What we would love is for you to donate your excess comics. You know those ones that are just kind of laying around. Just drop them into a box or a big envelope and mail them over to supportourtroops.org. Their mailing address is Support Our Troops, 13617 North Florida Avenue, Tampa, Florida, 33613. Now, they will make sure those comics get distributed to random soldier care packages, and as a person who's been on the receiving end of this, I can tell you it will mean a lot. And if you'd rather donate money than give up a single comic book, trust me, we understand about that, you can donate through their website as well. Again, that's supportourtroops.org. Just remember two things, all right? Two things. One, make sure the comics have good, clean content. No nudity or adults-only comics, please. Those are the rules for any military member receiving goods downrange. Okay, and number two, this is the fun one. Please take a picture of you with your donation stack and post it on Twitter or Facebook at Longbox Crusade. Or email it to contact at longboxcrusade.com. We'd love to give you an on-air shout-out and post your pic on the longboxcrusade.com website. In summary... Pat and I, over at Longbox Crusade Podcast, would greatly appreciate you taking this small action to make a difference in the life of someone who is far from home defending our freedoms. Thank you for supporting the Comics for Courage initiative. That website, again, is supportourtroops.org. Please check it out. Throw them some comics. Make some soldiers happy. We appreciate it. Thanks again. Welcome back. Okay, Chris, what'd you think of this one? Jerry, this is such a treat because yeah. I remembered when this first came out and I was looking forward to this coming up again in the rotation and I was 
very, very uh, eager to dive into this. I wanted to see how it aged well. I wanted to see if it was great as I remembered, because this the, I, I revered, for whatever reason, I, revered, I remember so few of the material that we've covered in the past few episodes, <laughs> and uh, these were titles I was buying, and I was wondering, is it just me? Why didn't this stick out You know, in these past books? But this one really left an impression on me when I first picked it up, and after I've reread it, it was such a joy just to see the storytelling and the incredible artwork by J.H. Williams. Uh, some broad, those are my initial thoughts. I do want to say, when I came at this initially, when they were talking about reviving the Batwoman character, I wondered if they did it justice. I, I was a fan of the old Kathy Kane character, mm-hmm. be it in the Earth 2 or Earth 1, whatever have you, incarnation of this character. Yeah, murdered Off, Bronze Tiger, Rachel Ghoul, mm-hmm. late 70s, uh, that really was a turnoff. And I, I really felt bad because they sort of had a little mini revival of the character uh, in the Batman family title. Uh, mm-hmm. She popped up there, and then she would even do a little uh, crossover with the Freedom Fighters with Batgirl in an issue. And I thought, this was good. They're, they're bringing this character back, only to have her killed off a little later, and I just was <laughs> really angered with this. This character, with her new introduction, uh, retconning everything else out, uh, being a Bruce Wayne relative, th- this, this, this seemed to click for me. Nothing felt forced, nothing felt shoehorned, be it from uh, sexual orientation to relationship with Maggie Sawyer, with the character depiction, and all this really, really just resonated with me. I thought this was really, really well written, well crafted, and just just short, in my opinion, just short of a masterpiece. Yeah. Uh, those were my initial impressions. Jerry, I know we're going to do a little more deep diving as we go along, but what were your, what were your initial thoughts on this one? Well, the first thing that you just have to notice when you're looking at this book is the art is really, really beautiful. Uh, the colors, I think, uh, by Dave Stewart, uh, these colors are amazing. Um, the Batwoman's reds and blacks and just the different artistic styles that are used throughout the book are stunning. Um, Alice's look is really cool. She's got this kind of Victorian goth but white, not black, look. And it's kind of like an Art Nouveau. Like one page looks like um, a playing card with her on the top, you know, when you have like a queen, you know, you have the, the queen on the top and then the queen upside down at yes. the bottom of the card. Yes, I had that in my notes as well. I'm, it's, it's funny that we both uh, hit on that one, yep. Yeah, and it, it's cool. I mean, uh, uh, you know, Batwoman is on one half and Alice is on the other half, upside down at the bottom. And just the kind of duality between the two. And they turn out to be sisters. And, you know, I guess I guess Kate didn't know she had a sister or um, it just was never something that they that really came up, I guess. Um, but just seeing the relationship between the two and how similar and how very different they are, um, I thought was really interesting. What'd you think about, you know, the way that they interacted? Jerry, I thought it was just masterful the way that Williams did the panel layouts with this, just with the story depictions and everything with a point of view. I'm Mm -hmm. glad you mentioned Dave Stewart's colors because that's something I didn't have in my notes, but indeed they are, are spectacular. This yeah. was just incredibly well crafted. There can be some little bit with the fluidity with some of the art and motion, but I, I have to say, mm-hmm. with the narration, you know, in the pacing of the story, I think it's just to really showcase the artwork, you know, and mm-hmm. just with the way sequences are done, 
the the dance sequence between Kate and Maggie was just oh, yeah. masterfully played out with that whole party sequence, and I, I just really want to applaud the creative team with how they did this. I did think there could possibly be, well, Chris, if you had a quibble, what could it be? You know, and I don't think Rucka gave us too much with respect to the background, with respect to mm-hmm. Alice's origin, perhaps, and uh, her mechanizations or motivations as to what she's doing. Yeah. I could grant you that. I know at some point we do get a little bit of uh, background with uh, Kate's sister, but that really didn't play out here. And I... Yeah did some research and I wanted to see you know if anybody else had some criticisms with respect to that and I did find some online when doing some research for this episode I did not want that to sway me in any way though with my opinion <sighs> Jerry Alice's look though and just <laughs> uh, the fonts were really really unique with 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 the the the, the uh, white lettering on black you know yeah. and, and just just with the the different unique taste with that you really got a character and you you just try to envision myself trying to think okay how is she saying this and what what is it what does it sound like when it's coming out of her mouth because you know it's not just the same and, and, right. but just just such uniqueness uh, and richness with this that you never saw in a Batman title before I think really really was uh, breathtaking and really really made be engrossed in this read where I gave some little things like you know uh, pass perhaps with respect to uh, storytelling you know I don't know if I necessarily felt lost in places but there were some weird things creeping in here like you know we had a werewolf at one sequence and it's, yeah. it's something you, you wouldn't normally see in in a Batman family title if you will and yeah. Uh, did you feel lost in any spots, or did you just were you, did you just go along for the ride and, and, and enjoy it for what it was in places? Well, I thought it was a little odd with the three, you know, the men that turned into creatures. You know, one of them I think turned into like a squid type thing, and uh, you know, I, I was a little um, uh, confused briefly, very briefly, about what they were there for and who they were helping. Very pleased when it turned out they were helping uh, Kate um, because they looked like trouble. Um, but I, I would think that we're, we talked a lot about how pretty this art is and how beautiful it is, and it totally is. I think they kind of skewed uh, on the side of making the art look beautiful as opposed to necessarily clearly showing the plot. In some of these cases, especially in the action scenes, they look great. The scenes look fantastic, but it's like in a in a time like this where you have these t- these new characters and you don't know what they're up to, and trying to decipher it from some of the action sequences, uh, it took me a little bit of of reading and having to go back. And it's like what what happened here again? Uh, but as beautiful as the scenes were, they weren't necessarily as clear as they could have been. I guess is what I'm trying to say. Mm. I, I did feel a little uh, trying to compare and contrast with, like, let's say, another artist. And with respect mm-hmm. to the action sequences, there were scenes that were just almost like taking still shots, at, if, if a camera, if you will. If, yeah. if, if Batwoman or Kate is moving in, in an action sequence, it, it, is, it is basically as if someone took a photo, still photograph of that. Mm-hmm. Whereas with somebody like, say, your Jack Kirby, what have you, you get the fluidity of the action drawn in the panel. Here, uh, Williams Williams just captures that moment, and, yeah. and it's crystallized. Uh, and it, it is just such a contrast to see that when I'm reading different titles and I'm rereading old stuff that 
take a look at this guy. Wow, he, he's doing something <laughs> different and unique in this. And I, I really was taken aback with, with how this was done. I think the women looked gorgeous, but not over-sexualized. I think mm-hmm. the characters were spot on with respect to their voices. I thought mm-hmm. Kate was just a real sharp character with how she was written as well. And tough, just a tough character, you know, too, right out of the gate. She she just was really, really uh, a force in this one. Yeah. Yeah, and, and we've we've seen her before. Now I would like to kind of go back and see some of the, um, reread some of the stories that we've uh, seen her in before to kind of see if this Abbott character, if he's in that at all. And we, we've seen her dealing with this religion of crime. Um, and I'd, I'd like to kind of take another look at that and, and just kind of tie it together with this story because I, I do think that there are kind of things launched on you if you just went out and you just bought this um trade you know these these three creatures the whole religion of crime uh the the they mentioned uh the twice named kate right kate kane um they that's why they think that she's some kind of um part of some kind of prophecy and just getting that whole background that's if you're not familiar at all with it you might feel a little stuck and i could definitely see that but i think hmm. that this story is is really good enough on its own even with those things to just if you just go with it i think this is a pretty effective story great so where would you bring this in if you were gonna to rate it or you know decide if it's a must read or recommend for folks jerry it's interesting because i notice as i'm listening to my past episodes on on our show that sometimes my opinion has changed over the years. And I was a little worried when it came to this one if it would be as fondly remembered when I initially looked at this. This Mm -hmm. was one of the more memorable storylines that I recall reading at the time. And I wondered if I would still have the same uh, enjoyment that I would get. And yeah, it was all there. It was all there. Mm -hmm. I, I think it held up very well over the years. I think this is a nice springboard for the Kate Kane Batwoman character. I, I wouldn't say it's a masterpiece where I would give it a five out of five. That that those are stories that I, I really reserve for the really special ones. And I, I, I those are few and far between for me. I, I don't throw those out often. Mm-hmm. Uh, the last thing the last Batman story I can think of where I actually gave a five out of five my personal ranking to probably be the uh, Batman Annual Two that came out last year with uh, the oh. Bat and Cat stuff. I thought that yeah. was just a masterpiece. Uh, for the artwork alone, I, I, I do have to elevate this as a superior uh, comic book read. I really, really enjoyed it. For an introduction of the Kate King character without the uh, overblown 52 uh, Maxi series that we have, where she came initially with her appearance, here's where you know her story uh, takes flight, if you will. Uh, hate the cliche, sorry folks. Uh, <laughs> but... I, I enjoyed it a lot. Uh, this is a solid, solid, above-average story for me. I would say this lands at a 4 out of 5 for me. And I would say this would be a recommendation. And I would have to classify it as a must-read if you uh, for a Batman family story. We, we don't get any Batman family uh, cast here, per se, in, in to the degree other than the backdrop of Gotham City. Mm-hmm. But this really, I think... I don't know if it was a deliberate move on Ruckus' part not to overthrow anything in there, but I really, really enjoyed this a lot. And I think, I think, uh, and if you if you are a fan of Batman comics, you would get this. Uh, you know, granted, 
we we don't get some familiar characters per here. You know, like your Maggie Sawyer does pop up, but I enjoyed it a lot, and I, I would say four out of five. And I would recommend it, and I, I would consider this a must read. How about you, okay. Jerry? Great. So I would think that I have kind of two approaches on this. Um, would be a, a ranking for myself and a ranking for somebody that was kind of new to um, the the whole the whole Batwoman story. So. Uh, the art here is fantastic. I think this is really standout art. Um, I, it sacrifices a little bit on the clarity of storytelling. And I think there are some things that are going on that may be a little confusing to a brand new reader. Um, but I think it still works anyway. So for somebody coming in absolutely fresh, I would say that this would be about a three and a half Batarang story. Um, just because of not, you know, there's a lot of loose ends, um, seemingly. But for myself, I think I would come in with you, Chris, at, at bring this in for a 4-0 myself. Um, it's a good story. This is, uh, Alice is a, is a, interesting character. Kate Kane is an awesome character. Um, like I said, some of the plot lines are not fully explained or fleshed out. Uh, anybody that's a Batwoman fan is is really going to like this. Or if you if you think you might be interested in uh, reading up on uh, Batwoman, this would be an absolute must read because it's really starting to develop her as a as a superhero. Um, for somebody else, uh, I think that for somebody that's interested in Bat Family, uh, definitely would have to read this. But um, if you know if you're more of a stick to Batman kind of person. You know, maybe maybe this isn't um, a book for you, but uh, I would definitely recommend this to anybody that just likes a really beautiful and really interesting comic book. Yeah, I thought, again, the artwork, you know, really elevated this a lot for me. Uh, I yeah. thought the page layouts were spectacularly and cleverly done. I think this is just really, really definitely. standout stuff. Yep. Yep, I agree. Well, I think that's all we have on this story. Now, Chris, you do a lot of other things out in the great wide internet world, and one of them is the work that you do for Batgirl to Oracle podcast. Tell me about about that. Well, thanks so much, Jerry. Yeah, on Batgirl to Oracle, I've been very fortunate to have been invited on Stella's show, where I get a few moments to do whatever I see fit. And right now, I think... I'm looking at the Batman Adventures comic book that came out in the yeah. early 1990s, which were a, primarily a lot of standalone stories that were based on the 90s Batman animated series that ran at the time. And I thought these were really underheralded. I, I, mm-hmm. I, I want to champion these uh, books because I thought, by and large, they were superior Batman stories and with an excellent characterization of the character. Uh, prior to that, I did look at the Batman 66 title, which was something a little bit different, but uh, as we have no more <laughs> Batman 66 material now, uh, I do look at that. I also have a segment within a segment called Nightwatch, where I look at the Nightwing title from a shipper's perspective, and we want to see what Rick Grayson is up to now and his love life, <laughs> so I kind of throw that in there. All of that can be found in a segment called Chris's Cornucopia of Curiosities, which Stella has dubbed, and she's graciously had added to her fine, fine podcast, Bad Girl to Oracle. Do want to give a nice shout out to Stella because she does have a special episode in the works, which yeah. should be already released by the time this episode drops. Be sure to check that out with the conference at Bowling Green University in Ohio, where she met some other of the uh, TB Universe uh, folks out there, and she met Bat fans from across the country, scholars all 
various uh, degrees with uh, their own topics and uh, everything else like that. So it's a special issue. I'm not going to appear on that particular episode. I am going to re- resume my duties uh, in the May, uh, when the May episode drops. But be sure to check out that one. I think this was going to clock uh, uh, one of the more longer Stella <laughs> episodes. And she's been known for a long one, so I'm not sure where this one lands. Yeah. I think it's at least two hours, possibly even three. And a uh, lot of, lot of content. And I can't wait to hear all the interviews she's got gathered and what her thoughts and opinions were for their first-hand account of uh, the Batman conference that was at Bowling Green now in April. And it's going to be a great, great episode, I'm sure. Now, Jerry, mm-hmm. two of my favorite characters in uh, the Batman universe are Batgirl and Catwoman, respectively. Yeah. And how fortunate we are to have you at the Batman universe to be oh. writing some fantastic reviews of those uh, characters. Uh, can you give us your impressions of what you're finding with these titles, and where can we find your written reviews? Yeah, well, if you go out to the BatmanUniverse.net, you'll see my written reviews on Batgirl and Catwoman, the ongoing titles. And these are two two books that are really doing some uh, interesting things. I know, um, I think Bat- Batgirl is going to go through a little bit of a change coming up, but um, it's been a really good story, a uh, series of story arcs so far and Catwoman is doing really really well it's it's a really good run on that title and I love those two characters I know you do too Chris yeah I, I can't wait to to, to get uh, I think uh, Batgirl is dropping uh, we'll have dropped a new issue at the time of this recording and I think uh, the terrible trio of, <laughs> is going to appear and I, I can't wait to see uh, the current incarnation of uh, those rogues so I'm looking yeah. really forward to that as well as your review and your thoughts and impressions oh, on that one you. Yeah, I haven't seen the terrible trio, I don't think, since uh, Gotham Academy a couple yes. of years ago. So, so looking forward to that. Yeah. yeah. So I also do some other things out online. I tweet my weekly comics um, out on Twitter. I, I talk about indie comics a whole lot and talk about Dark Shadows. And Chris and I both live tweet horror movies at the hashtag Svengooly on Saturday nights, uh, which is um, uh, the, the horror movie show that uh, appears on MeTV. And we have a great time out on Twitter doing that. Uh, I've also been doing a segment on a podcast called Monster Kid Radio, where I cover an EC horror comic story, and I'm having a lot of fun doing that. Uh, and you can find uh, both Chris and I out on Twitter. You can find me at Professor Frenzy, and you can find Chris at B-T-O-N Bat Books. Now, Chris, we also do another show together. Uh, that's the Professor Frenzy Show, and we have done over 50 episodes now. We are up to wow. 51 episodes. And uh, that's where Chris and I talk about indie comics and other pop culture topics. And it's been a, a great, great time. And we've, we've been looking at some really good books. So check that show out and search on iTunes for the Professor Frenzy Show. We were fortunate to get a comment in our last episode, uh, yeah. Jerry. We heard from a good friend, Ian Miller, who you can yep. find on Twitter at IBM Miller. And with respect to the last episode, we covered uh, an Azrael book, and mm-hmm. he thought this was an excellent episode. He said he's not a writer of, uh, he's not a fan of writer Fabian Nicienza, but Ian goes on to say he really liked the idea of Michael Lane, Azrael, The mm-hmm. Order of Purity which added depth and drama to the original St. Dumas mythology. And he's also a big fan of Jean-Paul after James Tinian's excellent run. Ian continues, There's such a contradiction between his gentle, kind nature and his bombastic fantasism. 
when he's Azrael, and I just find him fascinating. I know I'm probably one of the only ones, but I think Jean-Paul is great. <laughs> Smiley face emoji. <laughs> Jerry, you, you chimed right. in as well that you like Jean-Paul in some of the things, and you thought the Order of St. Duma idea could work as well. But you also said possibly the uh, magic sword and other gear was sort of hit and miss for you, correct? Yeah, I, I think that a lot of the magical items uh, stuff is... you. I appreciate that in other kinds of stories, but I don't know about in my Batman stories, <laughs> you know, having special swords that, you know, have are cursed or otherwise uh, problematic. Uh, I don't know. It just seems like Batman should be in uh, kind of grounded in a little more <laughs> reality uh, and less magical uh, stuff. And and I realize that's a little hypocritical because of I do like some magical stuff. Yes, he encountered though the you, you know he he liked you know you you got Talon zombies and you got Lazarus pits yeah, so you yeah. know where, where where you have it you know but uh, for me I I don't know. Uh, I always thought of uh, Jean-Paul as sort of like a uh, Gotham outlier uh, ally. Mm-hmm. You know, he, he's he's just sort of there. I, I did like his Azrael versus as opposed to that uh, Mensch bat, you know, around uh, where he, he was, he adopted the cat and call after the ba- the Bane breaking of Bruce Wayne's back. Yeah. Uh, I, I, I just wish, you know, uh, there could have been a little more done with the character, which made him a little more compelling for me. Yeah. Uh, he had a nice run for, for a while and... Uh, yeah, he did. Just, just, uh, just never quite clicked for me for for whatever reason, and I don't know if it was just the writing or 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 just how the character was developed. I I, I liked him as a character, but I, I just just never really uh, resonated for me. And uh, you know, Ian, you you admit you like him, and you, you I think you also said you know that uh, hey, you might be one of the only ones out there, but good for you, you know. And uh, yeah. props to you for 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 uh, chiming in, and we really thank you for uh, writing to us. Definitely. If any listeners, yeah, want to do that, you can certainly respond via Twitter whenever our episode drops uh, via the Batman Universe feed. Or you may have more room to do so on the Batman Universe homepage, which lets yeah. you reply with a lengthier comment if you'd like to do that as well. We can't thank you doing for doing that, and thank you very much, Ian, for doing so. And, of course, you can respond back on Twitter with as many tweets and replies as you'd like, and we, we really appreciate that. All the feedback is welcome, and it's sincerely appreciated. So thank you once again, Ian. And shout out to Ian as well, because you can find him on the Batman Universe comic podcast, where he offers some great insights and reviews of the current Batman titles. I look forward to hearing with uh, his (laughs) reviews with respect to that and his ratings. I think they're very crystallized, and I really like uh, the effort and input he puts on each one of those titles. Fine, fine stuff. And uh, it's it's a great discourse uh, with discussion over on the Batman Universe comic podcast. So I think it's really, really good stuff, and I, I, I encourage you yeah. to go over there. If you're a fan of our show and you haven't listened over there, where you can hear Steph and Dustin talk about all the doings on with Batman, with reviews, and current news. Again, a shout-out to the Batman Universe comic podcast. Yes. Jerry, we were fortunate to get some likes and retweets on our past show. Shall I dive right into the pool and give these nice folks a fine shout-out? Yes, please. Jump right in. Thank you so much. First up, we had Liz and Oswald at Oswald Liz. Thank you so much. We heard from our good friend Clinton at Coffee and Comics at Coffee and Comics Blog. We heard from our good friend Sean, Secret Wars and Beyond Podcast, and he's on Twitter at Sean428Z. We heard from Rad Adventures at Rad underscore Adventures. That's Darren and Ruth Sutherland and their fine family of podcasts, including, but not limited to, Trekker Talk, Warlord Worlds, and Xenozoic Xenophiles. 
Nice. Good friend, Green Lantern HG at Green Lantern yeah. HG. Again, Ian Miller at IBM Miller. Thank you so much. The Batman Universe is on Twitter, and they can be found at Batman Universe. We heard from Wendy Fowler at WH Fowler. Good friend Alberto Ramirez at Laredo Art 2018. Yeah. Good friend Randy, Soundtrack Alley at Soundtrack Alley. Great, great stuff. Oh, Randy, shout out to you, my friend, for all the uh, movies that have been in my wheelhouse on your recent stuff. I I really appreciate that. Good, good stuff there. Thank you so much, Randy. You bet. We heard from Madam Monstrosity at Mad M Monstrosity. Good friend Dave Lava Hog at Lava Hog. He's the creator yes. of the Selling Out Show podcast, and you can find their tweet, Twitter feed at Selling Out Show. Heard from Robin Stevens at Robin031 Robin. Nice. Uh, Batman Books. Hey, it's Lane. Batman Books, oh. The Dark Knight and Prose. The Twitter feed for that fine, excellent new podcast is at Batman Books underscore DKP. Check them out, and you won't be disappointed. Great. We heard from Jeffrey Brown at Jujingo. Uh, that's T S U J I G O. Thank you so much, Jeffrey. Thanks. And we heard from Relatively Geeky at Relatively ah. Underscore Geek. Hey, thank you so much, Professor Allen. Good to hear your voice on all your fine shows, including Shortbox Showcase, The Quarterbin Podcast, Comics Reading Journal, and more. And hey, thanks for putting that uh, NCAA bracket together this past <laughs> month. I had a lot of fun with that. Thank you so much. Oh, and if I overlooked you, my sincerest and deepest apologies and regrets. Please let me know on Twitter, at BTOMBatBooks, or Jerry Know at Professor Frenzy, and we'll be sure to mention you on our next episode. Thanks, Chris. Well, that's all we have for today. Please join us next time, where Chris and I will cover Red Robin, the Grail. Ooh. Yeah. My name is Jerry. And I'm Chris. And thank you for listening to Bat Books for Beginners. You got to get to going. You don't know what is bugging Jimmy Gordon now. Yeah, you've got to hit the pole. You're gonna have another sleepless night again. Yeah, you really got to go. It could be Bane or be the evil clown again. Batman, you really got to go. You gotta go to fight crime tonight. Bat books for beginners. Bat books for beginners. Bat books for beginners. Bat books for beginners.